0: Welcome to Inside Athletic Training, a podcast from the Professional Baseball Athletic Trainers Society, where major league and minor league athletic trainers share insight into athletic training at the highest level. On episode one of Inside Athletic Training, we'll speak with Ben Potenziano, assistant athletic trainer for the Miami Marlins. Ben spent 10 seasons as an assistant athletic trainer for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He also represented the Pirates as part of the National League athletic training staff at the 2014 All-Star Game in Minnesota. Prior to joining the Pirates, Potenziano spent eight seasons at the Major League level with the San Francisco Giants. Let's get into the show. All right, so we'll kick it off here. Um, ben, welcome to Inside Athletic Training. Uh, we're happy to have you on the show for our first ever episode. With this being the first show, uh, can you go ahead and share some information with our listeners about the Professional Baseball Athletic Trainer Society, also known as PBATS, and what the society means to you?
1: Good talking to you, Sam. I appreciate you having me here. Um P in my mind. It started as it started a long time ago for myself. It was 1995. It was my first year in professional baseball. I'm very fortunate to have that opportunity. And I remember going to a meeting in San Diego, which sticks out in my mind. Young and new, and the the first thing that crosses your mind is like you're you're around all these other professional athletic athletic trainers who worked their way to the top, like just like I did, and to Be around them to understand that they're there to educate you. Be a resource to the minor league baseball athletic trainers and serve them by providing the continued education that we need to grow as a a profession. And in this profession, we're always trying to advance ourselves. And as you see this today, we're all trying to advance to make our players better, to help our teams win, make the organization better. But understanding it and them helping us, that's where I was – gravitated to understand this is where I wanted to be. This is where I wanted to learn more about what we were going to do. And being so long ago, you know, when I started to now and where we've advanced ourselves, it's been amazing. So it's so positive in the sense that we have all these individuals all pulling in one direction and understanding that there's the, the times we agree to disagree But as a community of athletic trainers, we're advancing ourselves to provide the best sports medicine education we can to ourselves, as well as educate management and then the people outside the arena of athletic training, which is also key. So we educate them to understand what we do besides seeing us just on the bench during a game.
0: That's great. So, so we know you know you talked a little bit about your background um, and getting your start in baseball. Um, I know you're also extremely passionate about the mental health and well-being of athletes and the and the athletic trainers, which we'll get into shortly here. Uh, but I'd love sure. to learn more a bit about your background and what paths led you to where you are today. So, love to take it back to the beginning, um learn more about where you're from. Uh, Were you an athlete growing up where you found your passion for athletic training and kind of the overall the path from, you know, uh, Ben as a a young person getting into what he what he's doing today? Uh, Awesome.
1: I grew up in Maine, moved to Maine when I was eight years old from New York. Uh, Big change, a really big change. Mm -hmm. But at eight years old, I think you're just trying to, to get into things. So being in Maine, a small town made friends quick. And then we're all active right at that age. So I found myself getting into sports more being active and thankfully growing up in Maine in a small, smaller area, I was able to play all three sports and that's what I did. And we didn't have football. So it was soccer, basketball, and baseball. And it kept me going year round with school. And then, you know, odd jobs in the summer then playing summer baseball. So it was, it was great growing up there. And I always knew I was competitive. Um, There's always this time in your career as a, as a, as you transition through life as, as an athlete, you know, when you're able to play against those upper crust of players. And I, I found that on, found that out later on in life when I got to college. But growing up in Maine, it was just allowed me to just understand what it was like to be with a bunch of individuals to play sports that we loved, try to win, you know, teamwork. Respecting your coaches, respecting all of the things that we're supposed to learn as we're younger and carry those on through our lives and it was just a great experience and from there i I went to college and I played soccer and I got injured, and what had happened is it was it was a quad contusion, so it't was, like was out for periods of time, but it it hurt I, I didn't know anything about it. I just knew that hey this is really hard to run with it's hard to bend my my, my knee and So I went and we saw our athletic trainer, no idea what an athletic trainer did, laying on the table. And I just started the conversation. And I just remember being on the table asking, what's it like? How'd you get here? All those questions. It's like, what this is? And and started the, the wheels turning. And then it was funny because I got away from it because I was in education, but it was interesting. So then when you started taking some of those science courses and then anatomy and physiology, Everything started to circle back. And then I really started to develop the skill or finding the way to get into athletic training, especially back then, they didn't have curriculum courses. They were in, you could do them as an internship. You'd get your core done, your core classes that you needed done that the NATA needed, your, your hours, which is 15 hours that were monitored, had to be written, you know, by, you know, he did do these, you know, these hours by me, followed this all of the guidelines that we followed. took it straightforward, kept going. And then I had to do an internship my last semester of my you know, undergrad. And I sent letters out, where could I go to get work for free? Who would take me for a semester and teach me? So I wrote a letter to the University of Maine at Orono and the head trainer, Wes Jordan, wrote me back, said, sure, we'll do this. Let's get our, the professors involved, lined it up. What did I need to do? Took me in for the entire semester. I jumped right into men's basketball. And was the, I was helping the trainer that was there, the athletic trainer that was there. It was great. I was, finished their season, then went into spring football, then I graduated. And then he told me, you know, hey, we're looking for a GA, GA for uh, next year. It's a two-year commitment. You know, if you're interested, we'd like you to apply. I did. I did get it. So that's where it went, and I be, and I was a graduate assistant at the University of Orno for two years, and I did men's uh, women's soccer, men's basketball, and football. Didn't even touch baseball because the head trainer had that. I loved the game, see the players and things like that, but never really got my hands on it. And then um, Mark Laton went to the University of Orno, and in touch with the head athletic trainer, called one day asking that you know if there was anyone that was ready to move into or graduating that would be interested in doing uh, a rookie level baseball job and position. And I jumped, I said, I'd love to interview. I interviewed over the phone actually with Mark and Stan Conti and they offered me the job. And I, I left before I actually got my degree and they worked with me so I could finish my degree. And I did finish it and, and got my degree, but I left for Arizona and I jumped right into professional baseball, and it started in 1995 with the San Francisco Giants.
0: That that's really great insight there in terms of the path that that a lot of you know our listeners as athletic trading students could take um, in their own right uh, from getting your start in minor league baseball. Talk a little bit about what it's like getting into the world of major league baseball, making that transition from the minor league affiliates and making your way up to the big leagues um, and just breaking into to that highest level what was that kind of like for for you as an athletic trainer
1: it was an interesting path because i knew if if i was going to be committed into doing this i needed to move so i moved from maine to arizona and i and i put myself inside there and We had a close knit group of athletic trainers, and I worked there. And then every opportunity that that would arise from instruction, uh, instruction ball, um, to fantasy camps, to working with players in the off season, I made myself readily available. On top of trying to hone my skills, educate, try to find every avenue I could to better myself to to position myself for an opportunity. And I think that's my mindset, which is like. Be willing to learn. Be willing to take all the advice I can. Weed out what things, that works. Find what works for you, but stay who you are. And that's the, the big piece that I can really probably share with everyone. Is as I always told myself: is just be passionate about what you're doing. Stay true to yourself and be honest. And people weed themselves out when they try to move away from that and they try to do things from different ways and people see through through things like that. And I just wanted everyone to know that I'm here. I want to do this job. I want to learn and understanding that there's going to be failure. There's going to be mistakes. There won't be opportunities and it could, and you don't know when it's going to happen. So the transition was I just kept working harder each year to see what I could do to get better and make myself available from low A, so then one year advancing up to high A and then going from high A to double A, and which, which was a quick pass. And I was nervous, but I was like, it's an opportunity. You need to just jump into it, learn, ask questions. So from there into double A, and I did that for two years. And then the advancement just continued into a uh, minor league medical coordinator. And then that advancement is to continue to learn. You know, keep working with the people you're around and educate, ask questions, right? And then try to find the like-mindedness of people that where can we all go in the right direction? How can we better each other and guide each other? And then the next step to get to the major leagues, you never know when that opportunity can arise, and you just try to prepare yourself. And it's when it does happen, it was it was it was a great moment because there's some movement in the, in the with the Giants organization. Um, the assistant athletic trainer retired, and then that opportunity arrives and I came up and became an assistant athletic trainer, um, in night in 2004 with the San Francisco giants. And it was a great, it was a great moment. And, and you're there. And again, I tried to follow the same way getting the minor leagues to the major leagues, because it's a different animal, so to speak, Sam, as you know, and it's, it's pressure. It's, what the demand is. There's more demand. There's the travel involved now and more travel and away from the family, all those things that go around that. But it was staying true to who I was and asking questions, understanding when you don't have an answer, try to find an answer for them and then give them the honest opinion the best way you can and build those relationships. When you build the relationships and trust, that's where I found that that transition from the minors to the majors even made it easier because once people start to trust you, it's just stay that way because they'll come to you and start asking questions and they know that you're going to, you're going to shoot them straight and you'll at least get them in the right direction to get the answers that they need.
0: And you mentioned um, a couple of times the passion you have for athletic training. I would say anyone that knows you, knows how passionately you live your life every single day. Is that something that you you know, you know were kind of born with, just a general excitement for what you do every day? Or is that something that uh, the athletic training profession brought out in you? Um, elaborate a little more about just the passion it takes to make it to the major leagues and kind of grind through uh, the world that is athletic training in baseball.
1: I've always been um, outgoing in the sense that I've enjoyed the camaraderie. always did. I enjoyed being within groups of people and sharing and laughing and getting to know people and just being helpful to anybody when you can. Growing up in Maine, I actually was able to be around that more because those tight knit communities teaches you what it's like to help people that may not have things that you have or just helping in general. And it's that, small town feel that I, that I tried to bring into where I was going. It's like help people understand that it is a grind. And the minor leagues is a grind, the buses and those that are still doing it and still being passionate about it. I commend them because an opportunity hopefully will arise. And, and those who did it even longer than I did and did make it their passion was has never changed either. It's like, it's just believing. I always believe that, And I'm being honest with you. I I told myself, I said, you can read about things, you know, stay within the job three to five years, see where you are, reevaluate where you are. Are you in the right spot? And I kept telling myself, you can do this. You can make this. We know it's going to be difficult. We know there's going to be sacrifice. You know, you're going to miss weddings, birthdays, holidays. You're going to miss those things. And then with that, knowing that there is the major league it's where you want to be at at your profession. You want to be at that top. And it was, it was a driving factor for me. It was, I I just felt that I wanted to be there. I wanted to prove to myself that I can do this. And, and, you know, being an athlete, you know, you think you're going to be a a major league baseball player. No, Mm -hmm. those numbers are slim. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I could just keep driving and keep driving to be better at, at what I really loved. And I, two things I always loved, I loved music and I loved sports you know, I played an instrument, still do have fun with that. But, you know, I wasn't going to be a rock star, but I knew I was going to do something else that was another passion of mine. And baseball just kept, kept me driving, kept me going. And, and from the minor leagues, it just, you become more passionate because you know that the major leagues, you know, you have all the things that come with it, right, Sam? And, but getting there, and then when you get there, you realize how, how awesome the ride was. It was just one of those feelings, you know, it's just knowing that you made it, you know, it it was great. It was great. And And I think I just, I credit myself in the sense that I didn't lose focus. And I just kept going when the things, when things were miserable, buses breaking down, you know, hotels were, motels weren't great. You know, you're, you know, that's okay. That's, that's where you had the most fun. That's where you made your relationships with players and staff. And I'm still talking to some of those guys today. And that's what I'm very thankful for, those
0: relationships. Yeah. And, and with, with those relationships, was there someone or a group of people who, when you were coming up in the minor leagues, that, that became really big-time role models for you? Or was it essentially just being in the environment around people striving for the same goal in athletic training that kind of kept pushing you to, to learn and to be better every day?
1: I believe it was the group I was with. Um, if you step back a second, I think when I look at who allowed me the opportunities, West Jordan and then another athletic trainer up there who was in minor league baseball and then went from minor league baseball to the NHL and then left the NHL to come back to more stable lives back at the University of Maine. So he knew those three levels. And I think there, uh, the communications and the emails or the phone calls at those times were that, you know, stay focused. Things are going to be hard, but you can make this. Keep learning. Keep asking questions. And that's what I did is just keep asking, inquisitive, just being inquisitive, try to find those things. And then I was fortunate to work with young doctors in the Giants that were young and coming up and advancing as well. So it was this big learning pot, you know, and, you know, having these two doctors, an orthopedic and a GP that were young and they really wanted to learn and they were always, always helping. They were there to help. And that was, that was the key is that people were willing to help. And you understood that we're all trying to get better. And that's what we really needed is pushing each other to get better and understanding that some people did not um, advance any further than a ball and some left the game. And those who stayed, you'd see them on the road in other cities in the minor leagues. and And then eventually some of us all were at the major league level together. So it was great to see each other and talk about those things. But I think, Again, looking back, it was that one common goal that we stay together, push each other, educate each other, and try to find uh, the best ways to improve ourselves and the game and how we can make our players better. And that just continues, Sam, as you see, that's where science is continuing to take us. So you've
0: offered some great advice here for a lot of people who might want to get into the field of athletic training and baseball. If there was one piece of advice, uh, you know, for a graduating college student looking to, uh, break in to baseball, um, you mentioned the grind that it can be and being on the road and dealing with a bus that breaks down and a lot of different things outside of the athletic training room. What is one of the main pieces of advice you would offer a student who is maybe getting their start in baseball with their first intern- internship, or even just applying and, and hoping for a break?
1: Great question because I think as we get older and I see things and I look back, and I go, could I have done this differently? Um, I'm not sure, but you learn along the way. The biggest key I'm, I'm realizing more now as these younger kids are coming through, they're getting a, a really a good education because of these curriculum programs. They're, they're giving them the bookwork, the knowledge. Now you have to get dirty because as you know, learning from the book and then applying it, there are two different things, but at least you have that foundation. And then you have to take your personality. So here's, here's, I think in my mind is be inquisitive, ask questions, listen, always listen. Let, them, let the person finish. If you're asking the question, it's because you don't know or you're trying to get another opinion. So listen, sit back and listen. And also understand that it does take time. And I understand about being impatient, but be patient. And then take the time to, to learn different things. see about um, looking at possibly getting let's just think about all the other things that we're doing now, the needling and the, and, the, and BFRs and cupping and think about getting uh, a, a certification in casting. all these different things that we can do that's under our umbrella and understand that it needs to be under our the umbrella that we have to follow. but be stay passionate, ask questions. Build relationships and network. That are some of the things in my mind that that can help you along the way. And then you'll build your own knowledge base, keep asking questions,
0: and just keep moving forward. So going back to that, the knowledge base that you mentioned, uh, you talked a lot about getting into the weeds, uh, applying your knowledge and listening to your superiors and to, to your colleagues. I think a ton of listeners, whether they're students or professors or just anyone interested in behind-the-scenes athletic training, would love to hear more about the day-to-day schedule of a Major League Baseball athletic trainer during the season. Um, A lot of people outside of the profession uh, might think, hey, you just show up for the game, get the players ready, maybe tape some ankles, get some some armwork done, but there's a lot much more to it uh, than just showing up for the game. Can you kind of elaborate a bit about your day-to-day schedule during the season? Oh, for sure.
1: Now, when you look at things, this is our home game, and we arrive most of the time some by noon. Noon to twelve thirty, we arrive because then we want to get the training room set up, and that's where we're prepared for the day. Anything that we need to do for the night before that, we know what we're going to be dealing with from the day prior. We're going to be aware of that, and then we'll sit down as a group. Plan the day. Look at what we had the night before injury-wise. Someone might be a little beaten up, banged up, maybe a little slight injury that didn't take him out, but we know he could be a little sore or somebody that we know that's already on the IL. How are we going to handle this? Who's going to do what? And if someone steps away, who's going to step in? We want to be in unison. We want to be one group. We want to be able, if someone steps away, that next person can step in. And that's how we want the training room to run. And that's how we do it. So the day is like, like so. We set it up, have our meeting, players start arriving. Now we start taking care of them because BP or the stretch might not be until 3.30, and then they'll have their work in the training room, in the weight room, prepare themselves so the strength coaches will have them doing their prep movements. All their, and some like to lift before they even for the game. Some do and some don't. So there's that going on as well. Then when they go outside, they'll stretch, they'll get ready, loosen their arms up, get into whether they're going to run fundamentals or some quickly out there. They'll BP, come in, grab a bite. Then they'll come in about an hour before the game starts, and then they'll start slowly coming in. We have players coming in, going to the hot tubs, loosening up, come in for, like you said, some need a taping, some need some, an arm stretch, Some get some tissue work done just to get things loosened. We'll get them through some movements into the weight room again, get them moving again outside 20 minutes before the game starts. They warm up a little bit more game time. Go through the game. Then we're on the bench. No injuries. Great. If we have something, then we have our system in place, how we handle those, who steps into each position after that fact, evaluate, see where we are. Then the education of or or the communication goes upstairs to see where we are with that player. After the game, players will come in. We'll take care of them, whatever soft tissue work, dry needling, cupping, whatever we're going to do with them and what they need, we will handle them. And that's usually about an hour. And then we'll meet again quickly, talk about what happened, what to prepare for. We have our EMR system, our, our electronic records. We have our notes done. Take our showers, head home, decompress, get up in the morning, work out, do what we need to do, and then we repeat. And that's what it's like for uh, 162 games.
0: So clearly it's definitely more than, uh, hey, we just show up for the game and, and we're off to the races. That That's some great insight there for our listeners. Uh, it, it seems like the products and innovations that that we've seen over the years in the field of athletic training – have really been incredible when it comes to helping you all take care of the athletes on your team. Can you talk a bit about the technological advancements in the field of athletic training that you've seen throughout your career?
1: Oh, absolutely. And starting back as long ago as as where I did, I mean, there was, we didn't have a strength coach with us. We didn't have a nutritionist, nutritionist with us. We were doing things, all of it. And that was, I think, a great tool for me, it helped me advance a little bit as well, is that we had to do all these different things. We're wearing different hats. And, you know, it, it was then, it was a lot of things we were learning about ultrasound and STEM and more ice. And those things that we were learning, and using our hands, your hands are part of your best tools in this profession because you actually get a feel for the person. We get a feel for the body part. We go through our tests that we learn, and we keep honing our skills on our tests. So that is, and then, and then the advancement, as you know, Sam, is like now we bring it up to, to the present time. We're looking at more of technology. We're looking more of the data. We're looking more of like players' movements and, and the biomechanics, the labs that we're using. And, and if we look at what we're even using more so now, then it's like when you go to our, the PBATS uh, meetings, we also have our, our product reviews. And, and that's where we learn more about these products as well because science is changing and what's advancing with that. And, you know, we're looking at things that – like the lasers that are coming out and then how are those lasers, lasers being used and how are we using them for the benefits of our players. And then we look at, again, I mentioned like the dry needling, the cupping, the grass, and then again, BFRs are, are now being used more, the blood flow restrictions, and we're learning more about that and the advancements, knowing where they came from, the military setting, and now implemented into the athletic training setting, and it's advancing players at all levels because they're using it at all the sports. And we're finding more about these things and how it's actually being beneficial at a cellular level. So we're learning more about that. And science is our, is, is our key. It's, you know, that's where we learn things. And that's where we ask more questions. How can we develop that? And then bringing the nutritionist in now, fam as well. That's a benefit. Now we have someone who's actually helping us educate players better on understanding their bodies, how to eat better, how to fuel their bodies pre, during, and post. And then along that would come into the form of things that really, you know, have piqued my interest and I've really gravitated to is sleep. And then again, with the sleep and the mental health, sleep was gravitated to. And how we working with those, with um, watches, chili pads, those things that really help players sleep better at night. And like we've implemented, when I was in Pittsburgh, we implemented a sleep room and how we would educate players on how to use Sleep rooms during the day, and then we did that in Miami and implemented a sleep group there. It's all the things that we can help our players be better and better at their, their game. If they're healthier, right? If they're, if they're feeling good and you're healthier, of course they're going to be out on the field and being the best player they can. And then unfortunately, sometimes injuries happen, and then that's where we step in and use all these tools today that we've learned and what we can implement to make them better. And, and again, use them. Make 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 players aware of what's available, and educate educate them as we continue to educate ourselves.
0: That's great. And and speaking of providing the top level care for your athletes, um, you've mentioned mental health. Uh, I'd love to hear more about your interest in the mental health aspect and that that it plays in sports and with your athletes. I know you're extremely passionate about it. Um, so I'd like to start by asking. What attracted you to learning more about the mental health of professional athletes and its importance to to their career and to also how you and your colleagues do your job?
1: It started back when I really gravitated to sleep because sleep, as I learned, was also hand-in-hand with mental health. It's amazing what you learn. And again, I still and learning from it and asking the questions to the, to the doctors that I know that have helped me along the way. It started with Dr. Chris Winters, and that's where it was back with the Giants. It brought me to sleep, to mental health. Then with Pittsburgh, Todd Tomzik and I gravitated to a group, the Mental Health First Aid, and we were just talking so much about how we know how much this game is a mental game, and we know how it affects players. And we, we did some research on our own, and we found this group and we found out that we can educate ourselves, become mental health first aiders, just like CPR, if you think of it that way, where we learn how to see what's going on, understand how to communicate with someone who we might feel or displays issues. And really what we do is we're, we are a segue to get them to the people who can actually help them, people who are qualified and we want to be able to do that. And that's how this all started. We really just took off with learning about this. How could we educate ourselves? We became certified ourselves, certified our staff, and then we started to bring it in upstairs to where we could educate people within, within the Pirates organization. And then Sam, it just kept moving forward. It just kept moving forward. We kept having conversations and we kept pushing. It. And thanks to you and, and Neil Romano, just opening the door even more so that we could educate and All of our peers to understand my goal would be like if we can get all of the athletic trainers and PT's mental health first aid certified. Because that just gives more knowledge, more availability to help our players. Because if you look at it, Sam, mental health and mental illness is something that affects all of us, right? It includes the athletes. You know, in fact, there's like there's one in five Americans that have diagnosable mental health, and that's like 52.9 million people. And that was in 2020. And we knew what happened in 2020. And what has happened on after that. So you have 20 million people that meet that criteria for substance use disorder. And from 2021 to 20, it was 20 to 21, I think there was something like 92,000 people died from drug overdose. And we still know that there's issues going on today, especially with fentanyl and, 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 and all those other things. And then homelessness, which again, Sam Wright, gravitates to mental mental illness. So you have 60% of adults with mental illness that don't receive mental health services in the past 12 months. And that's where you have a lot of these problems, Sam. It's like they're not getting the services they need because we don't have enough people that can help them. And I'm sure there's more information we can gather on that. But then we also got to look at different um, nationalities. So if you look at African-Americans and Hispanic-Americans, Who use mental health services that's only half of the rate compared to the white americans so we have a disparity going on right and the numbers are climbing every year it's growing a health crisis in our society i think we see that on the news and it's a growing concern and i see it as baseball major league baseball sees it as a growing concern too
0: yeah major league baseball has done a a fantastic job of educating both players staff members athletic trainers about mental health and becoming more aware uh, so you know that players aren't afraid to share how they're feeling. Uh, how has right. that created a shift in the clubhouse? Obviously, mental health has been um, thought of as something in a negative light over the years. But as we learn more, and, and like you mentioned, see how many issues there are within the space, uh, how have things changed in the clubhouse for your athletes and their willingness to open up about how they're feeling mentally?
1: I think we we're, we're making headway and understanding that, you know, it's been, it's been great that we're getting this in the forefront, Sam, and it's great that p and and League baseball, we're all starting to understand how important this is, it, but we got to continue to move, work on this and move forward. I think players understand, I think players understand it's an issue. And I know they understand that this is a difficult profession. It's, difficult to do this at the highest level and you fail and then how do we educate them on failure how do we use our mental health how do we use our performance coaches to educate them to understand that you're going to fail it's not and don't be concerned about a stigma. And we think people, I think, still see mental health, some, not all, that there's a stigma to it, that you're not strong, you're weak. It's not true. We have to stop that and start saying it's okay. It's okay not to be okay. You've heard that as well as I have. So it's okay that you fail. Let's talk about it. Clear it. Clear the mind. Work on those things because it's going to happen. So I believe there is headway again. Um, And uh, we know that We have to keep educating ourselves, keep educating the players, keep asking, how's your day? How are things going? What's going on in your life? Build those relationships. Be sincere. Be honest. Be a person. You're there with these individuals probably a great deal more time than you are with your own family to some degree while you're in this profession. So you do build these relationships. Hey, I understand we're not going to like everybody and not everybody's going to like you, and that's okay. Okay. But you do have to understand that everybody is going through certain things, and we don't see it, but we, we want to make ourselves aware and available to them. We want to make ourselves open to them, and we need to remove that stigma, and we need to understand that it's okay to have these discussions. Anybody, anybody, and, and you know, males, and, it, and I get frustrated at times because I think we look at things, and males, you got to be this strong individual, and you are strong when you talk about these things. It just you are you're bringing this to the forefront because it it's important. It's important for yourself. It's important for the people behind you. It's important for the people around you. it's important for the people that love
0: you. That's absolutely true and and I'd like to get into a bit more of about how mental health affects performance. Have you noticed with your athletes who really are are striving to take better care of their mental health, uh, a performance? the enhancement on the field or is it more so just a, you know, off the field aspect uh, for their well being? I think the two concept, con, the concepts
1: are synonymous, I think. I mean, I think that's where we're going with this. It's like, you know, we, we're making sure we support our athletes and, you know, and their mental health concerns. And it's important. We have to address these and address their physical concerns. So those things are important. I agree. Um, it, you know, it's well-documented that stress, anxiety, and depression all have negative effect on performance. It's, it's well documented. We look, at, we look at some of the things we've gone back, when I look back at some of the research I've done with sleep, and we look at sleep, and what does sleep do? Without that, Sam, the lack of it, your performance is down. It just is. Everything that we do, from people that are outside working in the real world and working in professional sports, that has a mental effect on your brain because you are not at your best when you're not getting the sleep that you have, which can stem from all those things that we were just talking about, stress, relationships, um, things that are going on with your family, uh, you know, illness in the family, all those things can build up on people. Uh, And then again, in addition, some of the research suggests, you know, as I've read and we keep looking, it suggests that elite athletes are at a greater risk for depression than their non-elite counterparts. So that's, that's, serious to me. I think it's serious to all of us. So it all means that, you know, at at some point that for all the elite baseball players and both players and the sports staff, we need to work together to support our mental health, well-being, and maximize our performance with that.
0: That's all super valuable information, you know, related to sleep, mental health, and performance of, of the athlete. Now, shifting a bit back toward your life and career, I would love to hear more about what life is like for Ben Potenziano, the athletic trainer, after the career in baseball is over. Uh, do you have any goals, aspirations? Um, I know you said you have a huge interest in music and just an overall passion for everything you do. So share with the listeners a bit about what's next uh, after athletic training for Ben.
1: To be honest with you, Sam, I've, 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 I've thought about it as I've gotten older now. It's like, I want, I want to stay engaged. Um, I I, I love sports and the music is my passion of release as well as, you know, running health, overall health. So I'm looking at how can I implement or how can I interject myself into where I can continue with mental health, sleep, and work with players. I I want to stay continued and engaged in that. I just feel like I have more to offer and more that I want to do to help. Mental health – issues are not going to go away um, and we need to be there to help them. I, w- I would love to be part of that in some intricate way. And it, and it doesn't have to be large. It's, it's part of bringing in what I feel or what people feel that I have some value to bring and then obviously educate and continue to educate more. So that's what I really truly see myself doing as being more of an educator where we can help, truly help and stay. this is what we've done. And when I say we, the athletic trainer's that I've been around and worked with and all of them that are out there right now, we help, we are providers. We're there to help and we do it at all hours of the night and it's okay. And we do it and it's because we love it. And that's what I want to continue to do is be um, able to help and be available to help the best way possible.
0: That's great. We really appreciate you sharing that and and all of this information about your life and your career, uh, is just extremely helpful for athletic training students looking to make that next step into an internship program or or starting to work with a minor league affiliate. So that's all, all very helpful. Uh, to wrap up today's episode, um, we're going to finish with a quick Q&A segment that we call Extra Bases. So I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you four quick questions to share some insights into some of your favorite things about athletic training and baseball. So whatever comes to mind, feel free to share. We'll start with uh, first base. What is your favorite athletic training room to work in in the big leagues?
1: I'm going to say right now, I really I really like, like Atlanta's. Atlanta's is really nice. Because it has plenty of room, and you're spaced out, and you're really next to the the clubhouse and to the weight room. It's really, really set up nicely.
0: So That's moving right. on to second base. What is your favorite MLB stadium to watch a game from the dugout?
1: Well, you know what? Oh, uh, here we go. Sweet home, Chicago. The <laughs> Cup, it's just such an electric ballpark being there. The fans are they're, they're a lot of fun. It really is.
0: So moving on third base here, I know you mentioned you love music. So I got to ask, what is your favorite city to visit on the road and why?
1: I'm going home again. So I, I love going back to San Francisco. I, I, I broke in there. Great people, great relationships, great city, fun city, great food, great ballpark, all of that. I mean, my, Sam, my, my most memorable experiences came from San Francisco being with that group and the individual and, and just that's it for me, to be honest. That's it for mm-hmm. me.
0: And you mentioned, uh, you know, there's been a ton of moments in San Francisco that are very, very meaningful to you. Uh, the fourth question, heading to home plate, did you have a welcome to the big leagues moment at some point during your first year as a Major League Baseball athletic trainer?
1: Oh yeah, when they dress you up, I was in, we were in Chicago. They did the rookie dress up, and they dressed me up like a cowgirl. <laughs> and it was great because I come off the bench in. In Milwaukee, I walked to my locker, you know, we're down and we, you know, taking care of plays, I go to my locker and there's this, this outfit, I have no other clothes. And I'm like, welcome to the big leagues. Here you go. So I was dressed up as a cowgirl with the rest of the rookies and we did not enter on the tarmac. We walked through the airport in Milwaukee to our plane. And that's, that was the welcome, which was, you know what? I embraced it wholeheartedly. I loved it. Loved it.
0: Yeah, that that's amazing. And clearly, you know, whether it's your career as an athletic trainer Um, or just, or, or learning from your colleagues, paying your dues. um, It sounds like is of utmost importance for you and for everybody. So um, Ben, thanks so much for joining the show. We really appreciate your time, your dedication to PBATS and the profession of athletic training and, and just overall your passion for what you do. And uh, we hope to have you on again uh, on inside athletic training. So thanks so much. Thank you, Sam. Great talking to you. And that wraps up this episode. Thank you for listening to Inside Athletic Training, a podcast from the Professional Baseball Athletic Trainer Society, a show for athletic training students, educators, and professionals who want to learn more about life as an athletic trainer in major and minor league baseball. If you've enjoyed the show, head over to pbats.com to gain access to other free resources. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, thanks again for listening.